Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board games. I'm your host, Albert, and this is episode 315. Today's show is, well, okay, Unpopular Mechanics. I don't understand. What? <laughs> Hi, listeners. Welcome. Today's show is is a normally a Popular Mechanics episode, but this time it is an Unpopular Mechanics episode. And it is called that because when I brought up the idea, Julius did not like it. And he is, so much does not like it, he has blocked it from his mind. I really have. <laughs> I don't understand what you're, what you're going on about today, Albert. Okay, so today is Unpopular Mechanics episode where we pick three games each that match whatever mechanic we're talking about. This time, it's really about metagaming. Games that are good if you like metagaming. That like, like if you want to be able to enjoy your game even when you're not playing it. In between those game sessions. So things that come to mind are, well, in here. Maybe I could just jump into to my first one and give an example of, of a, a game where you could get more enjoyment out of your game than just the the time from setup to teardown. How about the Lord of the Rings, the card game? This is a, a, a deck construction game from Fantasy Flight Games, right? We've talked about this game before. I know I have. Right. It's... So part of the game is the deck construction. I'm with you. I'm with you. If you like playing the game, you, you get a lot of bonus out of it because you get to do deck construction. Um, the game does suggest but a couple isn't very... is part of the game? No, it's not part of the game. It happens before you set up the game, really. Uh-huh. Right? You play your game, you win, and you or you lose, and then you, or you lose maybe, probably you lose, and you say, you know what? This is hard. Let me try again. And you play again and you still lose. And then after a couple of games, you say, you know what? This deck has a couple of problems. These cards shouldn't be here. And you take them out and you put them some new cards and then you play the game again. And you say, oh, that's a little better. Let me tweak it this way. And you keep playing and tweaking. And it's it, it iterates over multiple plays. And you may come after, after a while say, you know, what? I really wish I had a deck that was themed around hobbits. I'm going to make a hobbit deck. So I'm going to be super pedantic. Go for it. If a game has like a drafting period before you start the game where you have to draft your deck, like say resist, um, does that count as part of the game or not part of the game? I believe that is part of the game. Uh-huh. What's the difference? You're building your deck before you start playing during setup. There are specific rules. I don't know about governing how you do it as part of the play and they don't call it part of the extra stuff. What do you mean they don't call it part of the extra stuff? They don't. You're the one who's making up this stuff. And you do it every time you play the game, right? Every time you play the game, you go through that process. Theoretically, you can also just use your previous deck. Okay. And in this one, it's entirely optional. You could just use your deck you made last week, or you can make a new deck every time. But I don't think anybody would make a new deck every time for Lord of the Rings. That'd be a lot of work. But, I mean, when you open up the box, you have to make a deck. It's part of the game. I mean, they do bring some introductory basic decks that you could use also. I think Lord, the Arkham Horror does the same sort of thing now. But you still have to make. You still have to go put them together. It's part of the setup of the game. Yes, but then once you've set it up and you're ready to play, you could keep doing this all you like. Right, just like many <laughs> games. Like, you can't tell me that part of the setup of the game is not part of the game. It's part of the game. I can and I do, Julius. And so, see, folks, this is why Julius didn't like this uh unpopular mechanics (laughs) like if you want to tell me that part some getting extra enjoyment out of the game like i enjoy uh um, crafting organizers or storage solutions or extra bling or 
figuring out how to make mm-hmm. my games nicer. So those are all things that I enjoy that are board gaming adjacent. They're still kind mm-hmm. of part of all the board gaming experience, but they're not actually part of playing the game because I'm over here organizing stuff. I'm messing with the pieces. I'm adding more pieces. I'm making user summaries. I'm printing off things. Like these have these are not the game. They're nowhere mm-hmm. near mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. game. But you're getting it. it. You're what do you mean it. I'm getting it? <laughs> you're saying every single game that I've ever made a, an extra token for or that I've made a user summary chart for are unpopular mechanic of game outside of game? They they qualify, but some of those are going to be better than others. Like some games you're going to say, oh, you know, this game was, you know, I was able to build this one thing for it or print out this one homemade card for it, and that was great, but, you know, that that was it. Other games, you could say, oh, there's so much content that I could make for this. Or all these different bits are upgradable in different ways. And, you know, you get a lot more mileage out of the metagaming of it. So we're going to start talking about which games have the best bling. That's what this is. Which games are the most blingable? Maybe for you. For you. I mean, I'm not going to go that route at all, actually, I don't think. No, I'm not going to go that route at all. My, I've got three games picked out that are a little different. I don't want to go that route. <laughs> because <laughs> for me some of my most memorable cr- creations like were when i'm start making paper craft inserts as opposed to just mm. like buying a three like I, for uh the whatever the viking game is but for the odin's odin's feast Oops. feast for odin for feast for odin that has the especially with the expansion there's so much stuff and so much organization that goes into that i have an actual 3d printed organizer that's not a thing i made i don't have any good memories of it i bought it and i put the stuff in it but many other games have papercraft organizers that I've gone through and I've made most often to accommodate extra room or extra pieces, but like they have papercraft organizers that I've sat and meticulously made. And like, I feel a sense of pride for those things, but I don't feel any need to go into those mostly because I don't keep the plans and every once in a while they get ruined and I do them again and make them better. Huh? So that, I mean, that sounds like you're having fun with that and you're like tweaking it and adjusting it and make it better. So what game, what, what's a good example of that? A good example of a game that I made an organizer for. And then you, you find you want to tweak it and adjust it. I mean, I haven't. Usually it's a matter of looking and being like, I see all the flaws and where I made it the first time. I could do this better another time. And usually apply those skills or ideas to the next time I make an organizer. And things like that. Mm, for the next game. So, so you don't have a specific game you want to suggest that might be fun to make an organizer for? Absolutely not, because it is a personal, like... Yes, it is a personal process. It is a very personal thing. And my making, like, how many people are going to make paper craft organizers? I don't know anybody else, not a single person, who makes the paper craft organizers that I do. Mm-hmm. I don't know anybody else. Most people make them out of foam core or make them out of cardboard or 3D printing. So, no, that feels like I'm way out there. When you say papercraft, what are you making it out of? Is it like printer paper? It's usually out of cardstock. Cardstock, okay. It's usually out of cardstock. Occasionally it's made out of chipboard if I need something additional added to it. But the most common thing is just cardstock. So the, a number of the Oniverse games, I've redone their inserts out of cardstock to accommodate sleeve sets in the box. So I've pitched the plastic organizers that come in there to Mm. give myself sleeved ones. Um, Sometimes it's just a matter of having, you know, 
custom deck boxes or just making my own um, dividers, like for Disney Villainous, for instance. I designed a set of dividers that I prefer to use for the game, and then all the cards are in a long row box with nice dividers, and that makes sense for me. So, like, different games have different sort of thing that gets involved with it. Mm-hmm. That makes sense, yeah. Um, the one I mentioned, Lord of the Rings, is, is an example, one that I've, I've gone above and beyond, like, not just the deck building, but I have made a, a, a box to, to keep my... So I, I play solo or I play two-player games with my son. Those are the primary ways I play. And so I made a box to keep my, my current deck and the scenario in there for when I'm playing solo and little trays for all the counters and all this. And I made them out of wood and stained them and spent a ton of time doing that. I made another box for the two-player game that keeps the two decks in there. And again, trays for the different counters and whatnot. And everything's just nice and organized. And it makes it fun to, to get the game out. And I spent a ton of time doing that. And... uh I have the older, larger boxes that they their games used to come in, the big square ones. They're like about 12 by 12, and I made a, a wooden insert for that. So it's just a couple slats, really, of wood to make dividers. So I could have three columns of cards in there. And then I printed out some uh, dividers that somebody made on BGG and mount them on, a, not on cardstock, on a like a poster board? No, a, a map board, like a map board that you put in a frame. And I mounted on that with glue and spent a ton of time doing that. So, so that's a game that for me has provided a ton of extra opportunities for, for enjoying the game, for making stuff for it, for building different decks. I have a few different decks that I've tried different themes on. Some I enjoy better than others and whatnot. I think I've even purchased some, some counters for it before and that sort of thing. That was my first game. Julius's first game. He didn't really have a game, but yeah, I'm not going to have any more <laughs> and that's okay. I'm going to throw in one that I've made insert for specifically that I think is a good candidate the arkham horror the board game that game comes in a big box and when you get a couple expansions that came in big boxes you can't get it anymore really so then you got these three really big boxes and all these little components and i ended up throwing away one of the boxes and making foam core inserts for the other two boxes and putting everything organized in there including like a box for all the little cards and trays for the large cards and, and so on and so forth and yeah that that's kind of fun to do that that is, I thought that was a neat game to to spend time making things for. That was Julius' second game. <laughs> I volunteered it for you, Julius. My, no, his first game. My second game now. I am going to say Hostage Negotiator. Now, this one's a little bit different type of metagaming experience. It's much lighter. But this one, besides the time between the games, when you play the games, it has sort of a campaign thing. And 4 Northwood had something similar. In this one, when uh, Hostage Negotiator, in the back of the rule book, there are achievements you could accomplish. And it'll tell you for like um, each of the different villains or abductors that you could play against, there's three or four different achievements to try and accomplish each one. Like for one of them, it might say, oh, win the game without losing any hostages. Specific, especially for a, uh, an abductor that tends to kill more often than others. So, so there'll be different challenges like that. Or, or try and win the game after having uh, conceded this one thing and whatnot and so that what that does is it lets you play the same game over and over but each time trying to get slightly different goals so you're not just trying to win but you're trying to win with a caveat sort of thing and that's pretty neat the only problem i have with that is it brings a on the rule book it brings a checklist so you could cross them off as you've done it and i just cannot do that and you know, the the achievements include things like just simple when you've when you've won 10 games cross it off when you won 25 cross this one off and so on others um, if you get 
three a consecutive victory against each of the three abductors in the base game. Cross that off once you win all three in a row. Uh, when you save a hostage while the threat is on K, there's another so on and so forth. There's different there's different achievements you can unlock, and they don't get you anything. It's just like another achievement, like on your on a lot of games on the phone now have achievements like that. You know, it's just neat that they did this here. I haven't seen any other games with that except maybe for Northwood, which has the little campaign book, and um, I forget what it's called. It's a, it's a little campaign game, and then for each campaign game, there's a simple and a difficult version to win. And it tells you try and win with this specific restrictions in the game. Did you ever try that, Julius? I've not gone through the whole campaign, but I've opened up to random things of it, yes. Okay. Have you have you tried the easy and or difficult to just try and accomplish each one or just you just pick? I was just e- picking at random, just having some fun with it. Okay. So that would be my second game, Hostage Negotiator, not for Northwood. But that's a, a nice little... Simplified version of it. And then I shall ask, Julius, do you have a second game? No, because I'm, <laughs> I'm just going to abstain from this unpopular mechanic and I'm going to, I don't know, not refuse to participate, but simply continue to declare my ire that you're talking about the actual game. You're saying like, hey, the campaign aspect and elements of the game is... Outside. That is part of the game. It's designed. It to is, do but you're, that. you're you're playing the game, but now you're trying to accomplish specific goals that are not necessarily part of the game normally. It's like saying like achievements little... of video games aren't part of the game. They're part of the game. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So this one could be a little more borderline. No way. But um, I. The <sighs> thing is, I'm trying to list stuff that's different versus all the all the same thing. Oh yeah, make components. Oh yeah, I'm gonna make components for this. Um, I will say for me, the achievements does not feel like part of the game. And I actually, though I think they're pretty neat, I haven't done any of them. Mainly because I haven't played any of the games enough to to justify the achievements. Maybe Hostage Negotiator I have, but I don't, I just don't like to play that way so often. So that is one I, I have avoided, but I do think it's a pretty neat idea and pretty unique. All right, so Julius abstains... From his second choice, you had a good first one, but no second Out of one. Ire. But I'll I'll let you have four Northwood. How's that? You got yeah yeah. You can have four Northwood. Does that mean you'll let me have four Northwood? Julius, that, that was a, a good call. Four Northwood. That does have that little campaign in the. Don't in blame the, me for you making up stuff. Don't put words <laughs> in my mouth. <laughs> you can't prove it. I. It's recorded. <laughs> Maybe it's so. It's recorded. All right. Okay, fine. Have it that way. <laughs> All right. My third game, then, if if you insist. My third game, and I think this is this is actually a gay type of game that often has a lot of metagaming potentially, which is, and you could argue that's just part of the game too, I suppose. Iron Sworn, which is a role-playing game. And I think role-playing games in general are a perfect example of this because, you know, besides just sitting down to play the game and go through the adventure... There's a lot of metagaming. In a in a multiplayer game, there's the the coming up with the adventure for the GM sort of thing. There's the leveling up, which is often separate. And depending on the group, is done offline. As a matter of fact, that's how I used to play it. In Iron Sworn, you're playing solo. Um, but all the same things. Well, there's no campaign to prepare for per, per se. Like, you, you're not reading an adventure or anything. You, you're... This game, you're making stuff up as you go along, so there isn't as much preparing. But there is some preparing and stuff that I like to do. Like, for example, 
in the campaign when I came up with that character, I had to come up with a, a background for him and a starting location. So I actually went and drew a map in the journal that I use of the area where he starts at and the different things around that are interesting. So as I'm playing, if I'm traveling, I could often refer back to that map. And I often do in every game. Um, so there is that. The Besides that, there is a coming up with NPCs and locations and coming up with more more world-building ideas, which are not necessarily part of the playing. They're just part of the designing of the game. Yeah, and I've had a lot of fun of that. And even, you know, that, that one is nice because that you could even do, like, say, while you're driving. You could think about the stuff. Where the other games, The Lord of the Rings, I suppose you could, while you're driving, you could think about what kind of deck you're going to build, but you, it's a little harder without all the cards. With a game like Iron Swarm, where you're just coming up with settings, I think it's a little easier to make up stuff and characters and whatnot and just imagine what they might be like. And really, I think any, I'm not going to say any RPG would work, because a lot of the solo RPGs are really small, one-shot sort of things. There isn't a whole lot of prepping for that other than jumping in and playing. Iron Sworn, because it's a longer campaign where your character goes through many different adventures and encounters and stuff, like a traditional, say, game of Dungeons & Dragons, that would work better in, in that game. Offhand, I can't think of any solo RPGs that would also work well this way. So any multiplayer, any traditional multiplayer RPG that you play in solo would should work. You know, Dungeons and Dragons, Star Wars, any of these kind of things, Vampire the Masquerade, whatever. So yeah, there we go. That would be my third choice. Iron Sworn specifically, but really any role playing game that has an extended campaign. That has, that's a lot of opportunity for for gaming between the game, as I called it. Just doing hobby adjacent activities and pretending that you're not playing the game. Yeah, like like surfing on BGG, for example. <laughs> Man, I love that surfing on BGG. Really makes oh my gosh, I I cannot get over you today, Albert. I will speak for all of our listeners that are going to boycott the entirety of this episode when we're done with it. They're gonna be like, no, done. <laughs> this is shenanigans. Excuse me. It's a it's a short episode, at least. Or, or it seems to be that way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because there's only a certain amount of time we can shovel into a non-topic. Non-topic. I find I it like, amazing how today. anti this topic you are. I don't. I don't Why know. do you find it that I amazing? I do. I don't anti- know. It just surprises me. Because you. You've decided to make a. You've decided to make an unpopular mechanic. You've literally decided to start doing something you say is unpopular. Well, you maybe should call it an unmechanic, but you're literally talking about. <laughs> no, you're talking about nothing. You're talking about hey, unmechanic. Well, well, I feel, like, I feel like this should just be chat with Albert while Albert ruminates upon how he likes to spend his free time. Like I like to spend my free time staring <laughs> at my Lord of the Rings cards and considering. Maybe, maybe today I shall put a deck out. There has been a time or two, says Albert, (laughs) that I have spread my decks over the entirety of the table, delighted in the fact that they exist, and put them away. For Uh, me, this is a popular unmechanic. My precious. (laughs) You know, I've never tried that, but that's not a bad idea, Julius. Excuse me while I go (laughs) hit my forehead into a wall hearing you say that. Oh my gosh! I do you really not understand where I'm coming from with this, Albert? I do understand where you're coming from. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I can see what you're saying. You don't consider this 
even separate from the game in some of the cases you don't consider separate from the games in other cases you don't consider really it's not something to to talk about in terms of solo gaming i guess it's not that it has to do with something in terms of solo gaming it's that if you and i wanted to have a chat about things we enjoy and like we can have a chat about making inserts we can have a chat about deck building games we can have a chat about Mm -hmm you know, solitaire role-playing games and things like that, which are like the three topics you've, you've done today. We can mm-hmm. have chats about those things, but those things are not tied all together as being something similar. They just like, they're not even one of them is not outside of the game. One of them is the actual game. And one of them is not repeatable. It can't be like, Hey, normally for these popular mechanics, normally the idea is, Hey, if you like deck building games, Come listen to us talk about deck building or deck construction. If you like games with a bunch of tiles, come listen to us talk about a bunch of tile games, and you'll hear some interesting stuff about tile games. But if I start talking about games where I like building an insert, what is someone who's listening to me going to get out of that? Like, oh, I should go make an insert with a specific game. Maybe it's useful for them to have ideas for how to make inserts and things like that, but it's not related to the game. It has nothing <laughs> to do about the game. I need to focus on the insert and not the game. That is interesting, Julius. I I don't know what to say. <laughs> I you have you have gotten my ire up and risen with this one. And we even started this off by saying, like, I don't understand. And you're trying to clarify for me before we've been on air. I'm like, you know what? Maybe just we should just have you clarify to me and everyone else at the same time. And maybe that will just be better. That's funny. The more I describe it, the less you seem to understand where I'm coming from. <laughs> <laughs> That's really where it's coming from. <laughs> Well, you know, you win some, you lose some. That's how it goes. I am curious what what listeners think, though. Am I talking nonsense? Is Julius talking nonsense? Is it somewhere in the middle? Now I'm really curious. Yes. Please let us know. Who Mm -hmm. do you agree with, Albert or me? Was this a nonsense episode to listen to? Or are you just laughing uproariously about the fact that I'm going at Albert on this one? Uh, Yeah. Interesting. I'm laughing laboriously at it. Laboriously? Yeah uproariously not laboriously i am laughing laboriously means it's hard for you to laugh (laughs) it's a chore it's a chore but i'm enjoying the conversation (laughs) well i think julius i think i've put you enough through this and let's uh just get back to the game fair enough albert i'm gonna go play a game now (laughs) all right we'll start we'll start for next week's game move on past this one (laughs) bye everyone have a good night everyone Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You can reach me at Julius at OnePlayerPodcast.com or JLBird on BGG. And Albert can be reached at Albert at OnePlayerPodcast.com or Fractaloon on BGG. Our website is OnePlayerPodcast.com with the number one, and we're also on Twitter at OnePlayerPodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus, can be found at Gemendo.com. The transition music is copyright by Dan Elduce Pancaldi, whose page is at DanPancaldi.com. The One Player Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-like license. Thanks for listening.